Crikey in T minus ten. Everybody and welcome to Crikey! What a shit book! I'm Carlisle, and I'm joined by my friends Toby and Jack. How you doing, Toby? I'm good, actually. I have nothing more to say than that. Okay, good. And Jack, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. You, it's <laughs> funny that your okay sounded more enthusiastic than my good. Yeah. Oh it's God. A, yeah. I'm doing so average. Oh no. But he's, he's happy about it, so I mean... He's scaring me with his middle-of-the-roadness. Fuck yeah! Straight and down the line, baby! <laughs> Toby, what do we do on this podcast? Uh, well, Carlisle reads out his own alien fanfiction for us and then tries to pass it off <laughs> as, as the yeah, writings okay. of, a, of a man from the House of Lords called the Brinsley Lepore Trench. But I know his secret. Um, well, it's a, it's a stupid book about um, human history with aliens. It's basically kind of taking a bunch of events from the Bible and then trying to ex- explain them through the lens of them being encounters with aliens. Uh, and it is, yeah. namely, quite shit. Uh, and yeah. <laughs> Last episode was very much that. Last episode was very ancient aliensy. We had, we had, um, yeah. He he basically just took us through a bunch of old things, and was like, "See how this is maybe a spaceship, namely Shakespeare." He namely took us through yeah. a verse of Shakespeare and went, "Yeah, that that was you, you. You see what I mean, right?" He could never come up with that. Shakespeare could yeah. never come up with a ball of light in the sky. Probably the stupidest thing we've read in this book was Brinsley or Poetry, like, calling William Shakespeare's imaginative potential into question. Um, yeah. <laughs> I lost my mind. Uh, yeah, I, I, it's funny to me the idea that I wrote this because... Like, imagine that I came up with the name Brinsley Lopoa Trench as the man that I'm being. I've not really thought about it until now, but that's a funny name. It is pretty funny. That's a Do weird we name. It's a real it's theme for now. Everything in this book, it's a real, it's a real theme. Like, every, like everyone has fucking weird names. <laughs> yeah. This chapter... Do you think it's a reading? curse? <laughs> if you have a weird name, you're <laughs> yeah, just going to name. become an alien fanatic? Maybe. Yeah, I don't- I can't- like, can you think of anything- anybody with, like, a weird name that's just, like, you know, an accountant? No. Pro- probably. You can't. Yeah, like, we need probably. to- We need to make a pact between us, um, that if we have children, we need to name them real fucking yeah. weird shit and see Well, no, one of us needs to just be- Oh, no, yeah, One of us needs to name our child Jeff Smith as a control. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Change our last name to Smith so that they'll yeah. get Jeff Smith. And then the rest of us are like Zebediah Huberstank the Ninth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can you Smith. do that? Can you do that? <laughs> They're gonna be Wait, so fucked up. Can you add like a, a, a relentlessly? Can you add a number that isn't true to your child's name? <laughs> I I was looking this up. Why? Related to this. <laughs> it came up with the man that I was working with last week. Okay. Um. Uh. Yeah. Uh, you cannot, in England, put a number as someone's name. But that's just, like, the numerical fact. So I think you can write the word nine and then call the person nine. But I'm not okay. sure. Basically, there are no actual laws 
about it in the UK, but the person who you submit the birth certificate to can veto things. So there have been things that haven't gone through, but there are no official band names in the UK. That wasn't what I meant. No. But I didn't yeah, want to yeah, say yeah. anything. But th- so I'm saying if you tried to say someone was called the ninth, you like, could probably do it, name, yeah. You might sometimes people try to put numbers in a name and it doesn't go through, so you might struggle. But you're not <laughs> okay. you're not straight up not allowed to. Alright. What if you just named your kids uh one, two, three, and four? Like, that would be handy. It'd be yeah. easier to keep track of. <laughs> You'd be a terrible person. But it'd be very convenient. <laughs> I did read about twins, like, someone g- tried to name their twins Fish and Chip. And, <laughs> That's and really that, cute, but terrible. And they it didn't go through. And it's <laughs> funny, because, like, they probably would have gotten away with it if it was, if it wasn't twins, and he wasn't trying to do them both at the same time, but they're like, no, you can't do this. <laughs> you would get away by coming and being like, I want to call my kid Fish. I don't yeah. think that's really. Do you think? Chip, yeah, they don't chips like a real name. To, to like, not let people call their children, and if you genuinely want to call your kid fish, <laughs> I don't think they'd have an issue. I don't see the difference it between wanting to call your name. kid fish and wanting to call two kids fish and chip. I no, think those because, are pretty much the same situation. Because then you're like treating your children like a commodity, but you might like just fish as a name. You know, but if you're calling it fish and chip, you're calling it for the joke. I'm not saying I'd call my kid fish, and I do think it's weird, but I think people might be... I can imagine people out there being like, I love fish, so I'm calling my kid fish. I'm calling him my I can my imagine the same thing with both fish and chips simultaneously. Ah, uh, uh, no. Nah. Ch- I think chip, the tone is different. Chip is okay, close enough to be okay, like a real nice. name. I can imagine someone actually be called Chip. It's a, it's, it's yeah, a Yeah, there are name. plenty of people called Chip. Yeah. That's I, why I'm it feels sure. more like, I don't know. I don't know. Fish is crazy, though. That's crazy. Yeah, this is fucked up. <laughs> this uh, time, we're reading <laughs> Spaceships. Oh, shit, no, hang on. We do a drinking game. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, no. And, um, well, the, the drinking game is thus. If I flub reading we drink if we're shocked into silence we drink other things and (laughs) sometimes we bully jack and we're just like oh time to bully jack and then we drink Um, that's always a good one i'm drinking the banana bread beer again because i like it i've developed a taste for the banana bread beer jesus christ (laughs) for me not being able to say things oh my god that's an excellent mug yeah it's good right and what is it you're drinking just coffee just coffee today. Just coffee out of a mug shaped like a D12. Nice. Um, I was going to do something really heinous, but I didn't... I don't know. It felt too heinous. Okay. Uh, I might do it next time. time. We'll okay. see. It is a bit earlier. We're recording this. Yeah. Well, it's now five. Oh, <laughs> yeah. what does it feel like five? What the fuck? Mm. Feels like at least two o'clock. What are you drinking, Toby? Uh, I'm dr- drinking monitor slash filter screen cleaner pump and spray. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is the episode where Toby dies. Toby dies on pod. That's what I was gonna drink. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, I might. Well, if you're doing it, I might as well get mine. Yeah. <laughs> One actually. Though. Oh, he's gotten up. I haven't. No, I just dropped back. my phone. Okay. I just dropped my phone, so I disappeared from the camera. This chapter we're reading this time is called Spaceships Galore. So 
It might be unbearable. It might be good. Let's see how we go. I like Let's the see how we go. Fucking hell. I'm, I'm not on it today. Are you ever? A sophist Sometimes. approached one of the wise men of ancient Greece. <laughs> <laughs> Have a drink, everybody. How's that pump and dump air freshener or whatever you're drinking, Toby? <laughs> One of the wise men of ancient Greece, sir. He was a sage of Miletus. He asked, what is the greatest of all things? <laughs> Miletus in, it's cold outside. <laughs> That's great. Answer, space because it contains all that has been created. There were many reports of spaceship what? activity in Roman times. <laughs> A century or so before the era of Jesus. In 222 BC, well, that's clearly two centuries. Yeah. Um, it was recorded. That's what the BC means. <laughs> Hang on. Was the ancient Roman times not also the Jesus times? Jesus was took place in some ancient they Roman said times. In, but ancient in, Roman yeah. time was a long time. Yeah, they said, yeah. They said in times. ancient Roman time... And then before Jesus, so it's it, it, all of that. Oh, being, okay. Yeah. I, the way I, I remember it, it is there yeah. were more ancient Roman times than there were Jesus, Jesus times. Time. That's good. Yeah. That is a good. That's a handy mnemonic device. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> God. Okay. In 222 BC, it was recorded there shone a great light, like dot 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 three moons brackets that <laughs> end of brackets appeared in quarters of the sky distant from each other over the town of. Ariminium. Ariminium. Jesus Christ. Yeah. A round shield was sighted over Arpi, 180 miles east of Rome in 216 BC, and according to a report in the Dublin Evening Press of June 16, 1959, Mr. Railsback of Malloyne, Illinois... Wait, why why is this being reported in the Dublin Evening Press? I, yeah. It's a very good well, question. Maybe that's is this, is this a, is this just an American Were no Illinois thing? papers interested? Is is this just the Dublin the Dublin, Dublin Evening Press? Is Correct. this just an American thing and it's called Dublin yeah. because Irish things in America? Yeah. yeah. No. Headquarters Burke Key. Alright, so very strange. They Rails found the one of... newspaper that reported on this, I guess. In fucking Ireland. Illinois. Came across the sentence in one of the Roman historian Julius Obsequen's writings. At sunset, a circular object, like a shield, was seen to sweep across the sky from west to east. Mr. Railsback said the object was reported in 100 BC near Tarquinia, north of Rome. Tarquinia. Like Here is another of Obsequen's reports. A globe of fire, brackets Aurea Globis, at sunrise, appeared in the sky with terrific noise and burning over the town of Spoletum, Umbria. This was in 90 BC. This globe, golden in color, fell to earth from the sky and was seen to gyrate. Later it rose from the earth, was born east, and obscured the disk of sun with its magnitude. That sound this... What? <laughs> like Is an eclipse? An eclipse. I guess. Yeah. I mean, it sounds would... like an eclipse. Sounds yeah, like a regular eclipse, yeah. A regular uh, one. Yeah, uh, the big shield was just the moon. 
In the nearly 2,000 years that have passed since Jesus' time, spaceships have continued periodically to visit the Earth. Oh, that's cool. Des- yeah, it is. Desmond and- Leslie described in Flying Saucers Have Landed how a large round silver thing like a disc flew slowly over Bylard Abbey, Yorkshire in Ooh. AD 1290. He related that an old manuscript was found at Ampleforth Abbey in 1953 describing the occurrence. For copious reports in the 16th, 17th, and 18th centuries, Charles Fort's four famous books... Oh my god, okay. The Book of the Damned, New Lands, Lo! L-O apostrophe, that's the whole title, and Wild Talents are invaluable. There's a um, D&D sourcebook called Wild Talents. Is there? Yeah. They are now published in one volume, entitled The Books of Charles Fort, published for the Fortian Society by Henry Holt & Co., New York, 1941. In 1897, a mysterious... Is this the whole chapter? Is it just going to be, like... Is, is it 12 pages of... In this data thing? In this data thing? In 1897, a mysterious c- cigar-shaped airsh... Fuck. I love how... Uh, that, that's a thing I've noticed, um, looking into UFO sightings, is that so many of them are cigar-shaped. Uh, really? Yeah. They all look like nothing. Okay. It'll just look like a round thing. Or a long round thing. Interesting. Like, the yeah. cigar is weird to me. I don't know why, but it feels weird to ever describe something as cigar shaped. Maybe they were seeing those squiggles in your eye that you see sometimes and you can't focus on. Yeah. The little bits of, um... Bits of goo. Bits of... Well, it's stuff floating in the goo, isn't it? Yeah, but the medical term is bits of goo. Oh, sorry, yeah, no. You no, can trust no, me, yeah, I have a degree yeah, yeah. in botany. In 1897, yeah. a mysterious cigar-shaped airship was seen over various parts of the United States. This was five years before the Wright brothers made their historic flight. Thousands of people oh, great. saw this airship, which the authorities tried to explain away as the planet Venus. <laughs> oh. What? <laughs> All right. Are you going to provide me... With reasons why it couldn't be Venus, because it was probably Venus in this case. Okay. Where, when was this? Five, well, years, five before years before the Wright before brothers the Wright made brothers. the historic flight, so yeah. Yeah, that's what I've got check. to you. Wright brothers' flight. Didn't they make like a million flights? Yeah, they, I mean, they, had, I mean, they, they did had specify a the historic one, it. so. Hmm. 1903, so 1898. 1898, Planet Venus. What was it up to? What? What was the Planet Venus up to in 1898? Uh, okay. Planetary phenomena for March and April 1898. Except cookies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, this is dry. Um, oh, Jesus. Fuck, I hate old-timey writing. Why can't they just write, like, modern people? Yeah, why can't they? We should go tell them. (laughs) Oh, this is all gibberish. Okay. It was probably Venus. But Venus Venus. isn't cigar-shaped. Or is this a different one? I'm really losing it. (laughs) None of the planets are very cigar-y. 
which the authorities tried to explain away as the planet Venus. They still try to do that today when faced with sighting reports that do not measure up to a rational re- explanation. Okay. And explanation. So the, <laughs> and so to the 20th century, Max B. Miller, in his book Flying Sources, Fact or Fiction, records an unusual sighting. Artist and explorer Nicholas Rorich, while traveling in Mongolia, was one of such few to observe the virtually ever-prevalent circular airfoil, Jesus Christ, the flying saucer. That was all hyphenated together. Wow. (laughs) What's the ever-present circular airfoil? Sorry. The flying saucer is what it says after that, after another hyphen. It's, it's another like a way of hyphen, saying so that. it's a break, but it does mean that the following words are hyphenated together. Ever prevalent circular airfoil, the flying saucer. <laughs> well, Beautiful. you're not going to get more, because here we go. At 9.30am on August 5th, 1920, several of his expedition were watching a remarkable bird. <laughs> Ooh! <laughs> Would you look at it? When Is it like that bird crew... that was the sun last week? <laughs> <laughs> that bird is Venus. And suddenly one of the, one of the group spotted something far above the bird. We, okay. oh. I thought they were going to be Another like, oh, that's bird. no bird, it's a UFO. But they were like, no, that is actually a sick bird. But look above the sick bird. An even we cooler all... bird. <laughs> we, yeah. And look, the... slightly below that even cooler bird. <laughs> Another a medium bird. bird of coolness. <laughs> we all saw, wrote Rorich in Atai Himalaya in 1921, something big and shining, reflecting the sun like a huge oval, moving at great speed, crossing our camp. This Reflect thing changed direction from south to southwest. Through okay. binoculars, he continued, oh, they okay. saw quite distinctly an oval form with right. shining surface, one okay. side of which was brilliant in the sun. Okay. During World War II, the Foo Fighters, as they were termed by pilots, <laughs> what the were fuck? seen. <laughs> this is their origin. Good. Oh, I see. They were small. <laughs> that, really, that really hit me for a second. <laughs> they were small remote controlled eyes. Craft about a foot in diameter, which dived and flew about. I'm not on it today. No. Be more honest, if you would. You bastard. There were small remote controlled eyes. Craft about a foot in diameter, which dived and flew around bomber formations. Both sides thought that they were a secret weapon belonging to the enemy and little knew they were being watched from a mothership high up in the heavens above them. And you knew that, did they? Did you, Brimpo? You knew that? If you didn't send them, then who did? I want to know why they're so certain that it was a shiny surface. Because they looked. (laughs) With their eyes, Jack. But if it's in the fucking sky... If it's way up in the sky, I don't know if you guys have ever, like, used binoculars, but, like, they're not that great. Like, you can't, like... Oh, you can get some primo binoculars, man. Yeah, but back then? In olden days? I got some here. I bought some as a prop for filming a music video that we never did. But... But... But, like... (laughs) But, like, if you look at the sky, if you just look at a thing in the sky, was it the night sky? Uh, Either way, whatever it was, sky it was, it was brilliant in the sun, so it yeah, must be okay. a day sky. Well, then, like, I don't know, man. It could just be like a comet. 
Sounds like just a comet. I don't know why you're so convinced, yeah. man, that like this th this shiny thing in the sky, this literal fucking white it spot. It was during in the sky. World War Two. Maybe a plane just got shot down. <laughs> that too. Yep. Yeah, because they were talking about stuff come like before planes were a thing to try and wet our appetite. But this is post plane, so who gives yeah. a shit? <laughs> yeah, he tricked us. He did like a magician's trick on us. He was like, "See, there are no planes. Remove the possibility of." Planes we lifted from on the yeah, hat, yeah, yeah, and there yeah, was yeah, no yeah. plane. Yeah, and then he pulled the plane out from behind your ear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We have only considered so far in this chapter just a few reports of spacecraft seen in the last few centuries prior Compelling. to 1947. There are records of very many more. How did the term flying saucer come about? For the benefit of those readers who are not blue stocking saucer researchers. <laughs> blue stocking? Yes. And blue stocking is in quotations. So okay. that um, must have maybe been that's a, slang. That yeah, that must have been slang that existed in the sixties, but means nothing now. Blue okay. stocking, an intellectual or literary woman. What? Okay. okay. So if a you're Victorian not blue stocking. A Victorian woman. <laughs> big into this. The spate of flying saucer Is blue reports. stocking an insult? An insulting name for a scholarly or intellectual woman. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> What? what do you mean? Yeah. Okay, fine. Um, Confusing. So what he's How saying is, use it in a there sentence. are records of very many more. How did the term flying saucer come about? For the benefit of those Why? reading who are not stupid academic women <laughs> idiots, the spate of flying saucer reports in modern times could really be said to date from June 24th, 1947. Were you going to say something? No. I'm just okay. working through this in my head. I'm trying to figure <laughs> out what he means. On that date, an American businessman, Kenneth Arnold, <laughs> he's got oh. was lying about... was flying his own plane near okay. the Cascade Mountain Range in the state of Washington. Whoa, when, when was spotted... this? June 24th, 1947. Okay. No. It's fucked. Imagine having a yes. plane back then. Imagine having your own private plane back then. Yeah. <clears throat> Imagine it now, actually, to be fair. The amount of people, <laughs> say that the as amount if, like, of people that thought it was a flying there. saucer back then. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, Kenneth Arnold was flying his own plane near the Cascade Mountain Range in the state of Washington when he spotted between his plane and the peaks nine huge gleaming objects flying at an estimated 1,200 miles per hour. How, How do you estimate Yeah, this? what? What? He took the time to, to work it out. <laughs> yeah. Made his light. Well, he'd get, he could have taken that much camera. fucking time Dude, if they were moving that fast. <laughs> yeah. Unless they were just Yeah, you wouldn't have even noticed. Like, you, they would have just... You wouldn't have even, like... It yeah. would just blip past you. Upon landing, Arnold described the motion of these objects as like saucers skimming over water. The press headlined them as flying saucers, and the name stuck ever since. Many people regard it as an unfortunate appellation, which has helped to cast ridicule on the subject. However, it could be a blessing in disguise. As we have seen, right. studying the subject in depth in this book... <laughs> oh, yeah. In depth. Okay. Some people, without being gullible, are prepared to accept anything as possible under God, and to adapt themselves to change, new outlooks and ideas. Uh, what? Just, what? 
He's what? Uh, he's praising that's... people that have that have uh, that have taken the red. Was it the blue or the red pill? Um, red pill. Never, the red pill of I alien. I take both. <laughs> I'm, a very, I'm a very sickly man. <laughs> Show me both and see what happens. The they are truly the stuff that galactics are made of. Goo. Others, even highly trained so-called scientific experts, are prejudiced to either their own preconceived ideas or to the dogmas and teachings of both orthodox science and religion. The common man, neither a scientist nor one of the clergy, has in the past been accustomed to taking his cue from these authorities and for hundreds of years has been educated that the Earth was the centre of the universe, even up to very recently. He was told that there was no life on the planets, but let us hope he is noticing that the scientists are beginning to change their ideas. That's reasonable. Yeah, Can't wait for it to now. not be reasonable in two yeah. sentences. Many scientists now are beginning to have a broader outlook. Professor Herman Oberth, the father of rocketry, okay, has repeatedly stated in public that this planet is being watched by intelligent beings from outer space. Uh, was, that's awesome. It's crazy that he's so sure of that. Here is one of the most exciting sorcerer accounts ever recorded, taken from the May slash June okay. 1958 issue Look. of Flying Sorcerer Review. This has been hyped up. If this is not literally the most like exciting yeah. and and definitive evidence, then then I'm gonna I'm gonna cry right now. On the night of September fourth, nineteen fifty-seven, oh, yeah. oh, yeah. there took off from Ota Air Base, Portugal, a flight of four jet fighter bombers, F eighty-fours of American design, belonging to the Portuguese Air Force. The pilots involved were three surgeons, Alberto Gomes Covas, sergeants. Oh, <laughs> Alberto Gomez Covas, Salvador Alberto Olivia, Manuel Neves Marcelino, with Captain Jose Lemos Ferreira acting as flight commander. The mission was a routine practice night navigation flight at 25,000 feet between Ota Airbase, the Spanish town of Granada, the Portuguese town of Porto Alegre, and finally to the Portuguese village of Coruche. Captain okay. Ferreira stated in an interview at Ota Air Base with Senior Marciano Alves, Flying Saucer Review's Lisbon correspondent. Lisbon. Well, after we reached Granada at 2006 <laughs> hours. In st wait, what? At 2006 hours? Yeah. Uh, oh, right. Okay, yeah, yeah. Military. Yeah. Yeah, 8 o'clock. 8.06, yeah. Yeah. And and started a and started a port <laughs> to change course to Port Alegre. I noticed on my left and above the horizon a very unusual source of light. We completed the turn and still I continue to be very interested in that light. I may add that okay, after three man. or four minutes of close observation, I decided to report it to the other pilots. At that time, the pilot flying on my right wing told me he had already noticed it. The other two pilots flying on my left wing had not seen it yet. Together, we started exchanging comments over the radio about our discovery, and we tried several solutions, but none seemed to be a reasonable explanation for the thing we were observing at the moment. The thing looked like a very bright star, unusually big and scintillating, with a coloured nucleus which changed colour constantly, going from deep green to blue, passing through yellowish and reddish colourations. Hang on, pick one. Deep green to blue, passing through yellowish and reddish colorations. That's. Um, I guess it, afterwards it went to yellowish and reddish. Yeah. It's like one of those lights you have in your bedroom. Yeah, it's like an RGB. Or it's going from deep LED green to strip. blue, passing through yellowish and reddish colorations. So it's going deep green, 
yellowish, reddish, blue. Blue. Sure. That's a roundabout way to get from green to blue, but sure, <laughs> It man. sure is. <laughs> you get there so much quicker. Okay, so yeah. obviously there's no fucking, like, quotations. I think this is still the quote. At first, one would think it was some kind of star. Perhaps Venus. That's not a star. Although we could not confuse any other star visible in the sky with the thing we were discussing. But soon we repudiated the Venus hypothesis because we already had surely identified that planet. Then, after running out of solutions, such as balloons, aircraft, celestial oh, bodies, balloons. etc. <laughs> Without finding an answer, we were almost apt to forget the case when all of a sudden the thing grew very rapidly. Whoa. Sounds like a balloon to me. Balloon yeah. is looking likely. Sounds like a, a rainbow balloon. A <laughs> Sounds like a balloon that's just been filled with fucking RGB LED strips. Yeah. Oh, we should do that as a prank. I bet it would cause so much. <laughs> Assuming five or six times its initial volume, becoming quite a spectacle to see before our surprise had time to expand the the thing fast as it had grown yeah <laughs> decided to shrink almost disappearing on the horizon becoming just a visible small yellow point these expansions and contractions happened several times but without becoming what? a periodic without becoming periodic and always having a pause longer or shorter before modifying volume the relative position between us and the thing was still the same. That is about 40 degrees on our left. And we could not determine if the changing dimensions were due to very fast approaches and retreats on the same vector or if the modifying took place stationary. <sighs> we're about halfway what, through this quote. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> what Christ. the fuck? Right. <laughs> this is not, it's like not even been described well. It just, like it just, it literally just sounds like I a pulsing light. I know what it is. Yeah. It's, what it's, is um, it? It's Aurora Borealis. It's oh. Aurora Borealis. If the Localized first case was localized in, in that sphere, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Localized entirely within this balloon. If the first case was the reality, <laughs> the speed would be a tremendous and out of all proportion for any aircraft we have seen or heard of. About uh, After about seven or eight minutes of this thing had gradually been getting down below the horizon, was dislocated itself. What the fuck are you saying? Yeah, For a no. position about 19 degrees to our left. A little before reaching the town of Port Alegre at 2038 hours, I decided to abandon the mission and to make a port turn in the general direction of Caruche, since nobody was paying any attention to the exercise. We turned around 50 degrees to port. <laughs> But still, this thing maintained its position of 90 degrees to our left, which could not be possible with a stationary object. What, By now, the phenomenon... Was? He's saying he turned, but it stayed in the same relevant position to him, so it must have also been moving. It can't. If it stayed still, it wouldn't be the same okay. relative position to it him. It was him. on his window. <laughs> By now, the phenomenon was well below our level of 2,000 fucking shit, shit, fuck, 25,000 feet, and apparently quite near, presenting a bright red and looking like a curved shell of beans. Ooh! <laughs> what the fuck, At beans? Arms length. That's what it says, presenting a bright red and looking like a curved shell of beans. Okay, man. Arms length. After several minutes on new course, we discovered a small circle of yellow light apparently coming out of the thing, and before our surprise elapsed, we detected three other identical circles on the right of thing. 
The hole was moving with their relative positions changing constantly and sometimes very rapidly. One more paragraph. Here we go. Still, we could not estimate the distance between us and them, although they were below us and apparently very near. In any case, the big thing... It goes wow. to quotation marks, writes thing, and then puts an exclamation point and then ends the quotation marks in the middle of this sentence. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> in any case, the big thing. Look, 10 operations since the others were moving around. No, I skipped a line. Look, 10 to 50 times greater than the yellow circles and apparently was the director of operations since the others were moving around it. As we were near Coruche... The big thing suddenly and very rapidly made what looked like a dive, followed by a climb in our direction, and then everybody went wild and almost broke formation in the process of crossing over and ahead of the UFO. And then there's an asterisk, and get this, the asterisk goes to this. Unidentified flying object. This is the term used by the US Air Force to cover anything in the sky they cannot identify. The term has over the years become interchangeable with flying saucer. I fucking know. <laughs> we were all well, very excited. If he's, no, look, to be fair, to be fair to President Power Trench, a third of Plank Party. <laughs> yeah. He's trying to get people on board. So it makes. Look, this is a rare example of him explaining something. Sure. And I don't okay. think we should shoot him down for that, okay? But it, um, it's rich but that I, this is the and point. I'd be willing to mm. give him the, the, the benefit of the doubt if it was like, oh, maybe that hadn't taken traction in the 60s. But in that explanation, he goes, over the yeah. years, this term, so... But maybe it's nah, more a it. thing of like, I know that you think that that's a silly word for silly alien folk, but it's actually an official, actual, real thing that the sure. actual okay. military uses. Sure. We were all very sure. excited, and I had a hard time to calm things down. As soon as we crossed over, everything disappeared in a few seconds, and later we landed without further incident. Since the first moment we detected the UFO to the final show of registered time of 40 minutes had elapsed, and during it we had ample opportunity to verify every possible explanation for the phenomenon. We got no conclusions, except that after this, do not give us the old routine of Venus, balloons, aircraft, and like, which has been given as a general panacea for almost every case of UFOs. Okay. The Lisbon Diario Illustrado stated that the Coimbra Meteorological Observatory... <laughs> Interesting way to say that. Yeah, but... Correct, technically. Registered extraordinary variations ah. in the magnetic field at the same time that Captain Ferreira and his okay. squadron were observing the spaceships. According to the Lisbon paper... The spaceships, the spaceships, the yeah. spaceships. The yeah. spaceships. According Good. to the Lisbon paper, this can be verified by diagrams at the observatory. What do you mean? Someone just drew? Oh, fuck it. Yes, today. The sky people are back with us again. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I guess we're doing this now. Since 1947, literally thousands of their spaceships have been seen in every part of the world. They have oh. been photographed, filmed, and recorded frequently on radar. That's I've never up. seen compelling film. Have you ever seen compelling film of spaceships? It's mostly... Uh, no. <laughs> it's mostly lens flares and bugs that look close... that are close to the camera. Hmm. Uh, many people, too, have claimed actual physical contact with the occupants of these ships of light. Once more, the sky people are mingling with mortals! Oh! Here are a That's, few more sighting okay. highlights. Nice. God it's damn nice it. of them. From the, from the last yeah. three years, cold 
from the Flying Saucer Review. Hell yeah. The launching of the Sputniks, especially Sputnik 2 in 1957, heralded the greatest saucer show ever, topping even the previous best in 1952. For a dramatic and objective account of that astounding year, 1952, including the amazing Washington Airport saucer flap. Whoa. <laughs> Holy read, shit. The saucer read, flap. Read Major Donald E. Kehoe's Flying Saucers from Outer Space. It does sound like this is going to be an objective account. Sightings on November 1957 were indeed reported from all over the world. The United States Army stated that a huge oval object, nearly as bright as the sun, was spotted on November 3rd at White Sands Proving Grounds, New Mexico, hovering near bunkers used in the first atom bomb explosion on July 16, 1945. Two sightings of the object were made by two different patrols of military police 17 hours apart. On November 5th at 5.21am came a most objective and dramatic sighting. The US Coast Guard cutter Sabargo, cruising in the Gulf of Mexico, reported a brilliant flying object in the sky about 200 miles south of the Mississippi River. The object was tracked on the vessel's radar for 27 minutes. It flitted off the screen several times. Radar tracking showed the object reached speeds of up to 1,000 miles per hour. The crew saw the UFO also visually for a brief period of a few seconds. The commander described it as resembling a brilliant planet speeding through the sky. It oh, finally okay. disappeared into a cloud bank at about 2,000 feet. It moved in concentric circles around the ship at great speed and was last tracked 175 miles from the vessel. Saucer reports were by no means limited to the United States during the November flap. <laughs> Why did you say flap? <laughs> they haven't contextualized flap, flap to me, is. so... Yeah. What was it? The Great American Tail Flap or whatever the fuck? <laughs> the, ni- the 19th... The Amazing Washington Airport Saucer Flap. <laughs> That's such <laughs> that a good so name. <laughs> Holy shit. The amazing Washington... Saucer Flap. <laughs> Yep, it was a real thing. Okay, the first article is from history.com, as in... Good. Yeah. The proprietors of one ancient aliens. Hell yeah. History.com, lovely. I think it, I think it's it's being referred to as a flap because it sent the media into a frenzy. It got them all flapped up, as it were. <laughs> That's old timey slang. Fuck you. <laughs> That's what they used to say. Is it? Is that why? Yeah. If you go back, if you go back in time and talk to people, they'll not. You say, "Oh, what a flap." They'll go, "Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is that why they were called flappers in the time? Yes. Yep. No. It's exactly why. I don't know that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm taking it as gospel. Reports came in from Australia, France, Great Britain, Egypt, Japan, and indeed from all over the world. Here are a couple of rather amusing ones taken from Flying Saucer Review. The crew of the Fleetwood trawler Ella Hewitt, which was off the northeast of the Isle, Isle of Man author, as in saw he- the object. <laughs> It's Isle of Man hyphen author. It's man author. Um, Isle of man author. No, I think he wrote a book called Isle of Man, surely. And he just forgot to put the... But but they haven't named anyone. 
They just said the crew, the crew of the Fleetwood Trawler. No, read the sentence again. They definitely named somebody. They they said Ella Hewitt, but I think that is the name of the boat. Boats can write books. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful point. Saw the object. Bosson Hugh Smith gave this description. A massive glow surrounded the ship. An eerie something. All about us. There was no vibration. No explosion. In fact, no sensation at all. Then the skipper, Fred Sutton, radioed from the Atlantic. A funny thing happened to me last night. The whole paint on the front of the bridge vanished. The paint was definitely there before I went to bed. This morning, only the red lead undercoat was left. I have been scratching my head all day thinking about it. And now you can scratch yours. The next day, another brief radio message from the ship, owners Hewitt Fishing Co. Limited, said... Yesterday, bridge pink. Today, normal white. The white paint on the bridge is returned. Weird. What? How does this prove aliens? Yeah, um, I don't... This is weird, but what does this have to do with the flappers? Man. They're not the flappers. The... the, the Did someone <laughs> just get... Okay, sure. Did someone just get paid to do a paint job on this and they just forgot to get... They just never got the memo? <laughs> yeah. An account of a similar occurrence which took place in Norway during 1956 was given by Carl Olsen, writing in Flying Saucer Review. A Mr. T-R-Y-G-V-E, Trygve Jansen, a master painter, was returning by car to his home at Ski after having supervised work in Oslo. He was accompanied by a lady, Mrs. Bufflot, a neighbour to Ooh. whom he was giving a lift. Mr. Jansen had travelled this road daily for several years. It should be explained that the road runs for a considerable distance by the side of a long, narrow lake called Gershon. At Gershon Bridge, they first observed the phenomenon. An object came with great speed from behind a hill, made a swing out over the lake and back to the road. Jansen was keeping his eyes on the road and therefore did not look closely at the object. Good, that's what you want to hear when you're yeah, yeah, claiming yeah. that something was aliens. He thought at first that it was caused by some kind of light reflexes, or perhaps by a large bird. After a time, however, he became aware that the light seemed to follow the car. It circled the car again and again. Occasionally mm. made great wide sweeps. Both driver and passenger soon got the feeling they were being pursued. Six uh -huh. or seven times during the run beside the lake, the object was close to the car, and the occupants had a feeling of unrest. Just after having passed the lake when they were on the level stretch of road, the object flew in front of the car and stopped above the centre of the road. Mr. Jansen felt as if he was compelled to stop the car, and he finally did so when the object started coming down towards it. When it was straight in front of the car, the object stopped again and stood completely still. Both what? occupants of the car... Mm -hmm. What did it look like? That's my biggest yep, problem they with haven't said. these stories. Yeah. Is it's just like, oh, like it was light. shaped. It I was think. shaped like a, like a dog. It was shaped sort of like a dog, an alien dog. I would take that. It was. That's like my an favorite alien dog. part. There's a great. I, I, there's. Oh, I can't remember where I, I read or heard this story, but there's like an account of the very first account of um, the Mothman, um, in Pleasantville in in uh, in the U.S. There's like a bit where they're like, um, oh, and then and then the creature like landed on the car and it like and it and it. it it was lying in front of the in a heap in front of the car it looked like a dead dog and we were like oh my gosh this mothman is just lying in front of the car god it looks so much like a dead dog <laughs> which is really funny to me 
They hit a dog. Yeah. That's so <laughs> fucked up. Both occupants of the car had a distinct feeling of being scrutinized. Suddenly, the object took off straight upwards and then disappeared with great speed behind the car. While the object was standing in front of the car, both witnesses felt a prickly sensation in their faces. It was as if they were exposed to a strong beam of some kind. Fuck you. Oh, uh, fuck. What? <laughs> and most curious of all... A beam. Said, a, ca a, a cactus-like beam. beam. You no, know, it's like they were... A beam. <laughs> and most curious cactus of Ray. all... Cactus Ray. Cactus Ray. The new superhero on the block. <laughs> Cactus Ray! Da, 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 da. Mr. Jansen's watch, which had kept perfect time for years, stopped at that moment. Oh, the shit. The watch later had to undergo a very expensive repair, and the watchmaker said that it had been exposed to a strong magnetic current. When Mr. Jansen arrived at his home, his wife came running out and asked him if he had brought a new car. No, said Mr. Jansen. Why do you think so? Well, see for yourself, said his wife, pointing to the vehicle. The car, which had been of a dull beige color, was now shiny, and the color more nearly green. What? Oh, uh, I more, see what happened here. No, I... stuff happening. I see what happened here. They, they, someone got paid to do a paint job on the car, and then they, no one got the mail. Well, it was driving. <laughs> What it was? Know, that, it, that is an epidemic. <laughs> it some just keeps happening. People are like, how did the color of this change? And they're like, oh some shit, no, some Marv, cactus Marv Ray's came down and did it. Some of Cactus Ray's legendary cactus mucus got on the car and stained it. There were many witnesses to this change of color, and they all saw it before Mr. Jensen or Mrs. Boufflot had said a word about their adventure. The next day, the car had resumed its normal color. The Jansons had a party that evening. Oh, okay. Ooh, that's good. But Mr. Jansen could not manage to swallow the least bit of food. He wasn't exactly ill, but felt unwell. His skin was still prickly, as if he had been sitting too long before an ultraviolet lamp. He did not feel what? normal again. <laughs> what he the not... fuck? That's... How, why does he have that frame of reference? What? Yeah. Mr. Jensen, just please take the cactus off your face. You've got... <laughs> You got pins and needles, bro. Just fucking walk it off. <laughs> he what did is not this? feel he did not feel normal again before the next evening. Mrs. Boufflot had exactly the same experience. Both witnesses had ample opportunity to study the saucer closely, and they say it looked like a shining disc with wings. With wings. What? I feel I feel like that changes things. I hate shit like that as well, where they're like, oh, it's it's a like they give a description that's like just as vague, you know? Yeah. What what do you mean wings? Wings are so varied. They're so and they're many also... wings. Chicken? Buffalo? Yeah. Those look the same, yeah. but they yeah, they are. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um but what sauce was on them, goddammit? <laughs> I wouldn't describe it piri piri? as like if it had wings. Yeah. Well, maybe yeah. it's that, like a scat fundamentally you know? changes the the shape. Maybe it like has a very like 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 there's a very prominent disc center and wings coming off of it. Maybe I, it's, I don't like that they gave the description now. Like it feels like yeah, they came I up with really the description later shit, on, man. and they were like they tried to think back and they're like it did actually look more like a like an alien thing with wings. Yeah. Now that we think about it, now that we we think about it and we've jumped to this conclusion. Yeah, yeah. What were these guys' names? Absolutely. Um, Jansen or something. Jansen and Bouflo. I can't. I, I don't know if we ever got Mrs. Bouflo's first name, but Jansen. Okay. 
The story's sounding familiar, and I can't T place it, though. T-Y-G-V-E is the first name of Jansen. Trigv. That's so cool. Trogv. Trigonometry. Trigonometry Jansen. There he is. The worst superhero. <laughs> even, below, <laughs> even below Cactus Ray. Yeah. There are hostages in that building, but we don't know the distance to get to the top window. How will we... Trigonometry Jansen here. All we have is our distance from the door of the building and how tall the building is. It's actually four... It's four equilateral triangles on top of each other. Mrs. The discs seem to rotate. And on the top, it had what they described as a kind of cockpit. The light that emanated from the saucer was quite strong, so how could you see the cockpit then? And of a greenish-white color. It often seemed to come in waves, and at times, it lit up the whole forest. What? Yeah, that's fun. No, it didn't. French. Otherwise, you wouldn't be the only dipfox talking about it. <laughs> Both these stories once again indicate how strong the force field of a flying saucer can be and some of its of effects. Course. Ah! Ah! Who? No. What? That, no, this is an, another... Add it to the fucking list, Carlisle. <laughs> uh, fuck this guy. I hate him. On He's January such a bad 16th, guy who should be killed. He's a terrible guy. On January 16, 1958, the Brazilian Navy ship Almirante Saldana was taking part in research for the International Geophysical Year Program and was near to the island of Trinidad. Brackets. Not the island in the West Indies, but the one off Brazil. A flying saucer flew over the island from the sea and several good photographs of it were taken by the cameraman on the deck of the naval ship. The Rio de Janeiro newspaper Correio da Manha published six photographs of the object, together with an account of this occurrence. On the front page of its February 21st, 1958 issue, the Brazilian Navy stated these photographs were authentic. Two well-authenticated sightings involving airliners, which took place thousands of miles from each other, occurred during 1959. Here are the condensed extracts from the two accounts I wrote to them in Flying Saucer Review. Before I get to those, because, you know, it would be great to just be like, and here are those pictures. If you've got nothing to hide. <laughs> yeah. Oh God forbid there be any evidence. In I do think I do think nope. that the fact that um yeah the 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 fact that we don't have photos of of this shit now is is the most damning evidence. Yeah, because every like you you could argue that you know they're just hiding themselves really well back in the sixties, but like everyone's got a camera on them literally all the time yeah. now. Someone would have. That's why they don't show themselves these. anymore, Jack. It's because they know everyone's gonna photograph them with their iPhones. This Maybe. has had pictures in it, and they haven't got any pictures of this chapter. So this would be a great time to be like, see? They yeah. had a picture of that one guy's mum. Yeah. 35 passengers watched in wonder. As never anything that they're fucking talking about. <laughs> <laughs> 35 passengers watched in wonder as three illuminated flying saucers escorted their American Airlines four-engine DC-6 airliner for 45 minutes. Great. Captain Peter Killian, a pilot of 20 years' experience with total of more than 4 million miles to his credit, was at the controls. The co-pilot and first officer was another experienced flyer, John D. Ah. Sometimes this book hits me with, like, jargon. 
and it like <laughs> breaks me for uh, a second. Yeah. The airliner had left Newark Airport at 7:10 p.m. on February 24th, 1959, Newark. on a new stop. For... <laughs> non-stop. Whoa. New stop. Oh, time to drink some monitor slash filter screen cleaner pump and spray fluid. <laughs> on a non-stop flight to Detroit. It was 8.45pm over Pennsylvania when Captain Killian first spotted three yellowish lights in a single line formation. He pointed them out to his co-pilot, John D, the other crew members and the passengers. The crew assured him he was not seeing things. Killian even radioed two other American Airlines planes flying in the vicinity to make sure he wasn't seeing lightning bugs in the cockpit. Uh-huh. Both other captains called Killian back to assure him he wasn't they saw the saucers too. The, the saucers, I think. Yeah, the saucers. Yeah, I'm sick of this. I'm sick of this being like, they saw some lights, and like the first paragraph they described them as like floating oh, yeah. lights, and then the sec- second paragraph they transition full time into into just calling yeah. them. Spaceships. No, I see the saucers as well. I see we're, the aliens. We're all on board. I saw the little green man pop out and give us a wave. Yeah. Among the passengers was Mister N. D. Puskus. He's trying to pull off more of this magician's misdirection bullshit where he just, yeah. like, incepts us, you know? Yeah. He's clearly gotten a fucking magic handbook for, for Christmas, and he he's really up, trying it out with this He chapter. lifts up the hat, it was, yeah. a, it was a ball of light, now it's a saucer. He pulls the saucer from behind your ear. <laughs> Among the passengers was Mr. N.D. Puskus, General Manufacturing Manager of Curtis Wright Division at Utica. He said the strange objects were in precise formation and seemed to dance in the sky. They were round-like, and every now and, <laughs> like, and every now and then one would glow brighter than the others, as if it had moved closer to the plane. Okay. To enable the passengers to have a better view of the sources, the stewardesses, Edna Legate and Beverly Pingree, Turned out the cabin lights, and everyone watched the fantastic out-of-this-world spectacle for the next 40 minutes. Aurora Borealis. Aurora Borealis. Well, where was this? Because, I mean, maybe it wasn't Aurora Borealis. (laughs) Uh, Probably not around Detroit. Kind of... Yeah, no. It sounds like... Like, like, I don't know, like... I don't know, like a lightning storm or some shit. (laughs) Probably... Captain Killian radioed a report of the incident to American Airlines communications at Detroit Airport before coming into land. The three objects became lost in low-altitude haze. In addition to the crew and 35 passengers of his own plane and the two other American Airlines planes he had contacted by radio while in flight, the three UFOs had been sighted by the crews of three United Airlines planes. All the pilots and flight engineers agreed that the lights were on separate vehicles which were in formation. According to a report published by NICAP, Lieutenant Colonel Lee B. James, an Army missile expert associated with Werner von Braun in the Army Ordnance Missile Command, did we hear suggest- that name before, or did we I've, just hear von Braun? I think not in this book, but I think that's just a person that people are aware of, Werner von Braun. I think I've heard of them, not because of this book. Could you? Yeah. Yeah. That's the new theme song. Chicky 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 chew. I can throw a chicky 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 chew on the end. Werner von Braun. German American aerospace engineer. 
was a German-American enge- aerospace engineer. <laughs> no fucking way! <laughs> and wow. space architect. Oh, okay. What the fuck is a space architect? That's so cool. He makes spaces. Space. Space. Um, children, parents. Children, What did parents. he discover? Ah, uh, father of the German rocket. Right. By which I mean father of German <laughs> rocket science. He invented the V2 oh, Okay, because I thought, I thought his, his wife gave birth to a rocket. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That was, a, that was a lengthy hospital bill. <laughs> it was a lengthy baby. I <laughs> 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 yeah. imagine like the chaos of, of the of the. Oh, oh here is the baby's coming out. Wait, that looks like that looks like the top of a, a space. What the what the what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, good. In the Army Ordnance Missile <laughs> Command, suggested that the objects came from outer space. Speaking before the Michigan Society of Professional Engineers, Colonel James stated that the objects seen by the various airline crews were quite possibly spaceships. I know they are not from here, said the missile expert, and they are not coming from Russia. We in this civilization are not that advanced yet. That's it. Those are the two options. It's here (laughs) or Russia. Nothing else. (laughs) Those are the two locations. If the crews and passengers really saw what was reported, Colonel James said, the objects would have to come from outer space, a civilization decades ahead of ours. Okay. Nah. (laughs) (laughs) Far away from Pennsylvania, where Captain Killian's airliner was escorted by saucers, another amazing sighting involving five more airliners and five more saucers took place about a thousand miles east of Honolulu on Saturday, July 11th, 1959. The most detailed report available to the public was that of Captain George Wilson, 43-year-old Pan American Airways pilot with 19 years flying experience. He was flying from San Francisco to Honolulu. He said, At 3.02am Hawaii time, I saw one intensely bright white light followed by four smaller lights. Captain Wilson, visibly shaken by his experience, went on, My co-pilot, Richard Lorenzen of Los Atlas, California, and flight engineer Robert Scott, stated open-mouthed at... Sorry, stared open-mouthed at the light came towards us at an extremely high rate of speed. For at least 10 seconds, it maintained its course, which was on an opposite heading to us. And had it been another aircraft, it would have passed well to our left. Suddenly the... Uh, I'm so fucking bored of this, man. Yeah. (laughs) uh, I I need to do a silly voice. It's a series of just accounts of various fucking spheres people are seeing. Yeah, I mean, like, the... Fuck, man. Jesus, they're all just floating lights. Like, how much can you glean from this? Fucking nothing. Same guy. Suddenly, the object made a sharp right turn at a speed inconceivable to any vehicle we know, and the lights suddenly disappeared. The smaller lights were evenly spaced, and were either a part of the mysterious object, or this was an example of darned good formation flying. When he landed in Honolulu, Captain Wilson said he had never seen anything like this in his 19 years of flying. He added that he had never believed such foreign ex- objects existed. I'm a believer now, he said. The other I'm pilots, a believer, I'm a believer if I try. I, I don't like the, like, I don't know. There's often, um, I feel like there's so often, um, like, you know, 
a lens or a window or a, a windshield between the observer and the uh, and the lights. And they're always yeah. talking about how they move unnaturally. And I'm always just like, that really does sound like a glare or a reflection, you know? Yeah. But multiple people saw it. Yeah. I guess that is the bit that gets you, isn't it? The other pilots who filed reports were Captain Lloyd Moffat of Canadian Pacific Airways, First Officer Erwin Zedwick of Slick Airways, Captain Noble Sprunger of Pan American Airways, and Captain E.G. Kelly, also of Pan American. Captain Moffat confirmed Captain Wilson's story. He said, You can take it from me. They were there. I never saw anything like it in my life. And there are five of us who saw the same thing at the same time. Oh, I don't give a shit. It is not something more interesting. It is not the purpose of this book to recount saucer sighting after saucer sight. (laughs) (laughs) It's not the purpose of the book to do this thing we've been doing for this entire chapter. Uh, ah! He threw it away. He threw it in the bin. He's getting yeah, up. Just, he's looking for the I book I watched now. the book fly across the screen. Oh, God. I think I was around page 150. Oh, how much longer is in this chapter? Uh, not that much longer, I think. Okay. Oh, I may have really put us back trying to find my place. Fuck. We got no, that was one, worth two. a book throw. <laughs> That was, that, that, God, Three, two, two and a half pages left. We can do okay. this. Uh, yeah, we, we can do this. We've done it before. We'll do it again. It is not the purpose of this book to recount sources sighting after sources sighting. <laughs> that, with all due deference to the understanding occupants of the craft, would become tedious. Suffice it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> <Thank> God. <laughs> For real? Do you reckon? Suffice oh, it to say. Brinsley. Suffice it to say, <laughs> there are over 100 books on the subject of flying saucers oh. now, and many of these list more modern reports than appear in these pages. You know what I like about that? It's like a it's a staggering amount. It's like a it's like a duality. It's like a staggering amount of self awareness while lacking any self awareness. Yeah. yeah, that's so crazy. The recent sightings included in this chapter have been selected to show how well authenticated some of these happenings can be. The Portuguese Air Force One, the photographs taken from the Brazilian Navy ship, which you haven't fucking shown us, and the two amazing airliner sightings were just related. Okay, I'm going to look up those photographs, actually. I should have done that earlier. Oh, I can't wait to see them. They're just going to be fucking blurry nothing. Yeah. Brazilian ship. It's going to be a picture of a mountain. Yeah. A picture of a mountain and a rock. Yeah. It's the February twenty first, nineteen fifty eight issue. Imagine it. Imagine something. we looked this up and it is the same photograph of that mountain <laughs> top from the start of the book. <laughs> it all comes around. Flying saucer photographed from a Brazilian Navy vessel cruising off Trinidad Island in the Atlantic Ocean, February nineteen fifty eight. Does that sound right? Yep. Yeah. Well, right. Let's see this indisputable evidence, please. I want to believe. Show me. Well, right. Okay. So what it looks like to me is a, and I know it can't be this, obviously, but it looks like to me a, a really stretched out JPEG of Saturn <laughs> that's been superimposed across the sky. What? Or a cloud, a shadow of a cloud. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the two things no that it could way. look like to me. Okay, we've got the picture. 
Oh, that that's nothing. Yeah. Oh, who gives a shit? Yeah. It's, it's yeah. so cartoon. It's such a cartoon It's really cartoon, spaceship. yeah. It's also clearly a cloud. Like, yeah. it's, it's a fuck it. Oh, fuck it. Fuck it. Fuck this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it looks like it could be literally anything. Yeah. I don't... Well, guess guess how he's going to close this chapter. Oh, lovely. Go. Now to close this chapter are two very uh -huh. important sightings which happened at the time of writing only a few months ago. On in God. each case, witnesses saw actual people in the spacecraft concerned. The first made the front page of Brisbane Sunday Mail for August Ooh. 16th, 1959. Sounds like a reputable paper. Uh -huh. The report came from the Reverend Father W.B. Jill of the Boinai Anglican Mission. Papua okay. New Guinea. Here is an extract of this sensational sighting as reported in Flying Saucer Review by its correspondent in Papua, the Reverend N.E.G. Crutwell. The date he means supplied it's been sensationalized. By Mr. Gill <sighs> to Mr. Crutwell is dated Saturday 12th... June. Uh -huh. June. <laughs> June. Uh -huh. Yeah, June. Large UFO sighted at 6pm in apparently same position as last night. <laughs> We've got a little addendum here. It comes back every night. week at 6pm. This is the first time we night. felt bothered to report on it. There had apparently been considerable saucer incidents over Papua just prior to this port author. Oh, Jesus. Only seemed a little smaller. I called one of the mission boys and several others... And we stood in the open to watch. Although the sun had set, it was quite light for the following 15 minutes. We watched figures appear on top. Four of them. No doubt they're human. Possibly the same object that I took to be the mothership last night. Two smaller UFOs were seen at the same time. Stationary. One above the hills, west. Another overhead, on the large one. Two of the figures seem to be doing something <laughs> near the center of the oh, deck. Oh, oh, something. We're occasionally bending over and raising their arms. <laughs> Was it a dance routine? Or you setting up something not visible? Or perhaps listening to the village people? One figure seemed to be standing... That doesn't say that. That was me. One figure okay. seemed to be standing, looking down at us. A group of about a dozen. I stretched my arm above my head and waved. To our surprise, the figure did the same. One of the mission boys waved both arms above his head. Whoa. The two outside figures did the same. There seemed to be no doubt that our movements were answered. All mission boys made audible gasps of either mission joy boys. or surprise. Perhaps both. As dark was beginning to close in, I sent... Eric Kadawa for a torch and directed a series of long dashes toward the UFO. After a minute or two of this, the U wait, what were you doing? Just go running up and going back and then running up again. <laughs> After a minute or two of this, <laughs> Here we are. the UFO apparently acknowledged by making several wavering motions back and forth. Waving by us was repeated, and this was followed by more flashes of the torch. Then the UFO began slowly to become bigger, apparently coming in our direction. It ceased after perhaps half a minute and came on no further. Okay. After a further two or three minutes, the figures apparently lost interest in us, for they disappeared below deck at 6.25 p.m. Some fucking kids. Two figures appeared to carry on with whatever they were doing before the interruption. The blue spotlight came in for a few seconds, twice in succession. 
The other two UFOs remained sta- oh. oh, no. the other two UFOs remained stationary and high up. Incidentally, the Brisbane Sunday Mail, in its full account of this occurrence, stressed the reliability of Father Gill, who graduated from St. Francis Theological College, Milton, in 1950. This sighting, too, it should be noted, has about a dozen witnesses. The second recent case of people being seen in spacecraft occurred on Wednesday, 20 September 23, 1959, and was what? front page news in, you heard it, the Dublin Evening Herald for the day. And that's not the same Wait, thing as before. Yeah. We had the evening, evening We had the Dublin Evening Press. Press. We've got two uh, Dublin two based Dublin evening, evening papers. Yeah. Jack, does our country actually suck? <laughs> I mean <laughs> It's possible. Dublin Evening Herald. Finding a Dublin Evening Herald, I'm finding the Herald. Do you think he just I'm fucked finding... it and meant to say the Dublin Evening Press again? But maybe. Is the Evening Herald still published? The Herald, as it is commonly known today, is a national Irish newspaper owned by the Irish Independent Group of Newspapers, uh, and has continued since 1891 to have a nationwide circulation around the. What? what? Although what? All through the paper. What? No, yeah, it says all through the paper is heavily associated with County Dublin. It should say although. I didn't okay. fuck that up. But yeah, it's it's it, that's the Herald, apparently. Well, here is the story. The pilot of a Pan-American jet airliner flying almost four miles high between New York and Paris this morning reported that he had sighted what he believed was a spaceship with people on board. Good you job. Know, great, great, well done to you. In a brief message... To- to Shannon from the clip of the pilot, Captain Jay Cohn said he was visible for 40 seconds only and that the object had vertical tail fins. It was traveling very fast in southwesterly direction between the stars Elnath and Caston. Huh. All right, then. The object was sighted close to the DEW line, Dewey's. The distant early warning radar screen, which protects the entire northwest coast of America and Canada from attack. There were 111 people, including 12 crew members, on board the jetliner, which later landed at Paris. It was flying at an altitude of 20,000 feet when the object was sighted. Other brief details given in the message give the object's position at 53 degrees to 40 degrees west, which would be slightly northwest of Goose Bay, Labrador, Canada, about 2,000 miles west of Ireland. That's a very animal-heavy location. Yeah, also, that's... sorry... That's so far. Mm. Wait. Well, yeah. Why are you telling us that it's 2,000 miles west of Ireland? Like, who gives a shit? That's so far from Ireland, dude. <laughs> like, Canada is literally on the other side of an ocean. They're, what do you... You don't... Oh, that, I'm so upset. The report has set off considerable speculation in international circles studying space aeronautics. The reports given here are but an infinitesimal number of those that have been recorded since 1947. Thousands and thousands of people in all countries have seen the sources. Why are they coming back in such increasing numbers at this time? Why are they watching us so intently? 
In the last 150 years, Hugh-Mankind has made tremendous progress. The Yay. whole technology of this present civilization has bounded forward from the horse and carriage which it has been in for centuries, and the momentum of increasing knowledge is stepping up at an almost incredible rate. The steam engine, the motor car, the aeroplane, the radio, television, radar, the marvels of electronics, stereophonic sound, and nuclear fission. The list is unending and growing every day. Man has explored every part of the Earth, reached the poles... I mean, we haven't explored every part of the Earth, but the tops of the highest really haven't descended in bathyspheres to the uttermost depths of the ocean, and now plan to conquer outer space. First the moon, then the planets, and finally hopes to reach the stars. That's. In the, I don't actually think that we that anyone is thinking that far ahead right now, mm. Brimpo. Not <laughs> even now, <laughs> sixty years later. In the ultimate destiny of Hugh Man to raise his status to that of real man. Oh yeah, great. Oh my god, remember all this Hugh Dash Man bollocks? Yeah. Holy shit, you've just been reading fucking- you've just been like reading Wikipedia articles about <laughs> UFO sightings for so long. I forgot that this book is insane. To that of real man and live among the stars, enjoying the fellowship respect of his fellow godlike galactic beings, but will Hugh Dash Manatee on Earth be allowed out of the quarantine yet? We have seen how the time of the building of the Tower of Babel, Hugh-Manatee tried to get up to their original home in the heavens. What do you fucking mean? And how the sky people scattered the people abroad over the face oh. of the earth. Will something similar happen again? The trouble is that the world today is divided into two opposing camps, and both sides have the means to end all life on this planet. <laughs> oh, That's a silence streak. That's a silence streak. Fuck. Oh my god, he really dumped it on us at the end there. It was like... You know that meme of that kid who's like in a classroom and he's like just bursting like he's moving <laughs> forward? He's like, I haven't talked about any insane shit for ages. Yeah. I've just been listing things. So and the Tower of Babel was an attempt to reach space. It was, a, okay. it was an early space elevator, I guess. Yeah. Okay, that's good. And then apparently the sky people scattered people all over the face of the earth after that happened. Yeah. Well, after. Yeah. <laughs> Will something Great. similar happen again? The troubles of the world are here and everyone's going to die. Um, Hugh Manatee has not yet learnt its lesson and will not be allowed to take its animal man characteristics plus the violent atomic and other destructive forces at its disposal into outer space. However, as has been indicated earlier, hope for Hugh Manatee remains. Biblical prophecy, brackets Matthew XXIV and Mark XIII, oh? need not necessarily come to pass. Many prophecies do not mature for the simple reason that the pattern of events changes. At the time prophecies are made, the seers base them on existing patterns. Which oh. Is this guy just saying soothsayers have something going on? Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's just saying based... prophecies are real. This, yeah. Whoa. Which hasn't come up before, I don't know. So this is a wild. This is the last paragraph of the chapter. So. Oh. You really saved it there, Brinsley. Yeah. The time prophecies are made, the seers base them on an existing pattern which, if carried right through, will bring about a certain result. Today, thousands of galactic dominant people in the world are working for peace and for the eventual exclusion of all nuclear weapons. Let us pray and hope they succeed in their work and change the pattern so that Hugh Manatee will forsake the ways of violence and really accept God both and deeds the old saying, Goodwill to all men, then they will be accepted on equal terms as friends by our next of kin among the stars. And then there is just like a, a word art, like a clip art flying saucer at the bottom of the chapter. <laughs> that's really um, good. Looks like a landmine. That's it. 
That's the end of that chapter. That's the well, end of the chapter Spaceships Galore. And boy, did Beautiful. it deliver on Spaceships Galore. Why don't we leave and return <laughs> in the post-show? What if we oh, did that, but guys? I don't what do you go. think? I don't want to be in the post-show. No! We're dragging Toby by his feet into the post-show now. Uh, and oh, we we've oh. arrived. Oh, Actually, it's wow. not so bad now that I'm here. Yeah, <laughs> come on in. The post show's fine. Um, <laughs> I think. <sighs> what a massive crock of shit. Yeah, that was that was literally just. He was literally just jumping through Wikipedia articles. And like after oh, most such of that a chapter, after such a strong chapter last time, such yeah. a disappointment. And um, then he turned around and said, and look, the point of this book is not to just <laughs> you will get, I go think on we'll a get to that in the Crikey okay? Minds, yeah, though. I, I think we'll get to we that We said it on podcast, but I compulsively threw the book across the room. I'm so angry. <laughs> All right. Well, then what's our crikeyest moment, huh? Probably oh, I wonder that. which I mean, one. it's got to be that. Right? <laughs> I mean, it's got to be. But if I had one in mind one. earlier, and then that and happened, that and happened, I was like, yeah. and then a la Carlisle, I threw that previous moment out the window. Um, okay, oh, I'm gonna God. try to think of anything other than that. Just uh, all of the times when he was like, so they saw these three lights, so these three flying saucers of aliens. Um, yeah. In the next paragraph. Yeah. That was just scummy tactic that I enjoyed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, what a bad man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Man. I said it before and I'll say it again, I'd fucking kill him. Let's do it. I was thinking oh. about this the whole time as well. Like, his name was Brinsley. Like, that was his first name. That's how he introduced himself. Like, hello, I'm Brinsley. Could you imagine? <laughs> Could you imagine doing that? Do you guys want to hear about okay, my flying spheres? No, Brinsley, yeah. fuck off. <laughs> he probably introduced himself as the 8th Earl of Clancarty. Well, that's even worse. I'll knock down the shop. No, I would. <laughs> he would, Can you imagine? He? If you were 8th Earl of Clancarty, I'd be like... Sorry, I, I need these fruit Actually, Can you well, refer to me as the I 8th am, Earl of Clancarty while I'm I am the 8th Earl of Clancarty. Ma'am, this is a Tesco. <laughs> Can we get it's... more Frutella for the 8th Earl of Clancarty? <laughs> 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 Can you check in the back? I think we're out on the on the till. I'm sorry, the 8th Earl of Clancarty. We'll look in Sir, the Sir, this is all Wendy's. Three crikeys out of ten? Less? Two, maybe? Uh, two. Fuck this guy. Two. All right, well... Two for just at the end when he just he just had to meet his stupid shit quota for the chapter. (laughs) Next time might be good or it might be unbearable (laughs) because that's the the way uh, this goes. The name of the title, the name of the chapter that we're doing next time is the problem with Adam Two Kind, and the first word is xenophobia in all caps. Oh. It'll look, we'll have things to say about it either Oh, way. sweet Jesus. <laughs> well, it might be one of those ones where we have no idea what the fuck he's talking about. Oh, but no, if, he's, if he's at all lucid, it should be good. But it's yeah. entirely possible that he won't be at all lucid. Fuck me, dude. Oh, Jesus. Oh, God. Ah, oh, well, if you like the show, consider following us on Twitter at CrikeyBook. Um, you can send us an email at crikeypodcast at gmail.com uh, you can send us a voice message which we will listen to on podcast um, 
uh yeah thank you for listening and how do we how do we end these shows um i solved the rubik's cube at the end of every episode and here okay. i go oh, okay. we'll wait for you to do that all right i like uh No, this is all wrong. Are you actually drinking that, by the way? No. Okay. Cut that out. What the fuck are you doing, Carl? That's not content. <laughs> I just, you know, I'll be concerned. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Okay. You alright? Yeah, that was fine. Okay. My mom uh, got a new phone and my sister was like, Hey Jack, um, mom, just put the, the, phone, the phone case that we got her on her new phone. I just wanted to tell you. Like, <laughs> okay. okay. It seems much what... more concerning than that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, she was like, very like, Jack, here, I just, look, I just, look, I just want to tell you, you don't have to do anything right now about this, but... <laughs> Oh, uh, okay. Uh, diggly dongly dingly. <laughs>